Good morning, Hillside. Welcome to church. My name is Jariah Wagner, and this is my lovely fiance, Andy. Now would be a good time to take out your phones, open the Church Center app, and check yourself and your family in. Welcome to worship. Oh, God. 
Psalms 8. The psalmist says, Lord our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Say it, say it. Lord our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And then he says, you have set your glory in the heavens. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have set in place. Then he says, what is mankind? What is man? What are human beings? That you are mindful of us. That you care for us. That means he cares for us. And then he says again, Lord our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Lord our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Say it over and over until God takes that verse and burns it in your heart. Oh Lord our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen.
just the same Oh, you are amazing announcements and community updates. Firstly, this Wednesday, the 29th, at 7.30 p.m., there will be a bonfire for high school students and their leaders at the Herala House. Please register on the Church Center app. Thursday, the 30th, at 7 p.m., we will be again hosting Thursday Night Live for middle school and high school students in the Hillside parking lot. Please bring a chair and a mask and register on the Church Center app. Hillside educators, teachers, professors, administrators, everyone who is involved in education, please email Cheryl Garley and let her know which grades you will be teaching in the fall and share anything else that's on your heart. We know that this year is an unprecedented one, and we are committed to pray for you and your students. 
On August 2nd, we will again have the opportunity to attend Hillside's Sunday evening gathering. This will happen at 7 p.m. in the Hillside parking lot. We will be social distancing, so please bring a mask and a chair. If you would like to attend, please register on the Church Center app or contact Michelle Miller. Mark your calendars for Sunday, August 9th. That afternoon, we'll be having our all-church scavenger hunt. All HS are welcome to join, and I think it will be a lot of fun. So don't miss it. Also, there will be some prizes. You can register through the Church Center app. And now it is time for our offering. Here at Hillside, we have three ways you can give. First is through the Church Center app. Second is on our Hillside website at hillsidecovenant.org giving, which is linked in the video description. And thirdly, you can mail a check to 2060 Magnolia Way. Please join with me as I pray over our offering. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to worship together. Thank you for your many blessings and constant provisions in our lives every day. We bring to you these tithes and offerings. We pray that you would bless them and use them for your kingdom. Amen. Hi, my friends. I'd like to um, lead us in a prayer today. And as part of this time, I'm going to light a candle. And I thought you might want to do the same. So if you'd like to hit pause now and go find a candle and some matches, why don't you go ahead and do that? Before we pray, I want to confess that sometimes I find it really hard to pray. And it's not usually because I'm mad at God or something, but because my heart just isn't in it. And at times like that, my prayers feel kind of like blah, 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 blah. But I love praying when my heart is full, and it doesn't actually matter what it's full with. Um, it could be full of love for a person. It could be full of anger and outrage at an injustice. It could be full of sorrow and grief at a loss, or full of joy and gratitude at God's faithfulness. Once I was on the brink of deciding that I would never pray unless my heart was so full that I'd fall to my knees, I'd have to fall to my knees, or prostrate myself on the ground, so great would be my passion. That anything less wasn't worthy of bringing before the Holy One. But fortunately, I backed away from that rather extreme position, and because um, I believe God has infinite patience with us. And in his great love, God does not really hear my blah, blah, blah prayer, but simultaneously receives it and translates it into a heartfelt prayer worthy of the golden bowls that we hear about in heaven um, in Revelation 5.8. So today, before we pray, I want to give us a chance to check in with our heart and see what it's filled with. And then we're going to bring our heart before God and just spill it out. If your heart is being elusive today, or if it's just flat out empty, then say the Lord's Prayer during our prayer time and be assured that God is receiving it with great pleasure. Now let's light a candle as a reminder that the holy fire of the Almighty dwells within us. 
and that God hears our prayers, whether they are beautifully articulate or plain as a textbook or just wordless groans. While we pray, we're going to have a minute or two of silence, and if you desire more time, then just hit the pause button, which is a very handy feature that I think we should install in the sanctuary one of these days. Hmm. Now, let us pray with all our heart. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for hearing and receiving our prayers, which we bring to you in the name of your Son and our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, I want to take a few moments to say a farewell to a couple of key families that are um, moving on into other things, more adventures. It doesn't it seem like just about every week now, it's like, hey, we're saying goodbye to another family, but they're on to um, another adventure and good things ahead. And so we wanna send these families off with a hillside blessing. So the first uh, family that I want to acknowledge are the Bingenheimers. And I wanna to say to Randy and Sarah, you are going to be dearly missed at Hillside. Um, Sarah, the travel agent, extraordinaire who has helped so many of us in our experiences here at Hillside and traveling throughout the world. You have been a blessing. You and your beautiful soprano voice that you have filled the sanctuary with so many times and have invited us into the very presence of Jesus just through your giftedness. We want to say thank you to you and to Randy, who was part of Jeff Reed's um, teaching team to talk through sermons and help form and shape all the different sermons that you've heard throughout the years. Randy was a part of that. So I want to say thank you, Randy, for bringing your heart and your wisdom and your perspective and participation into helping us learn about the ways of Jesus throughout the scriptures. So Randy and Sarah, you are loved. You will be missed. And we say to you, grace and peace. And then also I want to acknowledge Ted and Audrey Ingberg. So we're saying goodbye to the Bings and now the Ings, the Ingbergs. Uh, this is a couple that have um, ushered well at Hillside. They've been part of the ushering team, as we say. They've, they ushed very well 
at Hillside. Ted helped uh, as part of the finance team and just looking over the finances and being good stewards of that which God has given us. So I want to say to you, Ted and Audrey, uh, they're moving to Nevada, and we want to just say blessings. Nevada is lucky to have you. Um, the Bingenheimers will be moving to Colorado. So let's pray for our friends. Jesus, we honor you above all else, and we say thank you for Randy and Sarah. Thank you for their commitment to you, to this body, for so many years, faithfully serving us, making us better. We thank you, Jesus, for Ted and Audrey. We thank you for the the presence that they brought, the giftedness that they brought, the love and care that they brought to our people. We are grateful for them. We thank you for the bings and the ings. We thank you for the goodness that they brought. We ask Jesus that you now would walk with them in every part of their life or whatever's ahead, that you would fill their life with more and more surprises, more beauty, more goodness, capture their attention, their imaginations, show them the depths of who you are as they continue to walk in the way of Jesus. Bless them now in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Grace and peace be with you, bangs and ings. We love you.
to invite us to open up the scriptures to the book of Philippians. We're going to be looking at chapter 3 and verses 4 through 14, so a rather large chunk this morning. So I want you to have that before you to be ready to read that together. But I want to begin by reading something to you um, by a man named Richard Viotis, Jr., and to allow these words to kind of prepare us to enter into the letter together. Listen to his heart's cry. This is a, like a prayer coming from Richard. He says, I have very little desire for a Christianity that either emphasizes a personal relationship with Jesus without taking seriously his teachings, or emphasize the teachings of Jesus Christ without taking seriously the call to deep, deep communion with Christ. I want to be caught up in Christ, profoundly enamored by his beauty, and from that place become enamored with the beauty of creation, pushing back against the forces that would seek to deface it. And now with, with that desire from Richard, I want you to listen to the, to the words of Paul as he's writing. And this is what he says, beginning... In the middle of verse four, if someone thinks that they have reason to put confidence in themselves, in their flesh, I have more. And here's why. Was circumcised on the eighth day, part of the people of Israel. I was born in the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is in through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith, 
I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ has took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Paul could have easily propped himself up to a place where he is in a position where he's asking everyone, I I need you to respect me. I'm asking you to listen to me. I want you to see me. And here's all the reasons why I'm important. Because I was circumcised on the eighth day, like every good Jew is supposed to be. I was born an Israelite, so I was, I was born into the very family of God. And then to top it off, I was born into the tribe of Benjamin, which is where kings emerged. So there's tribes, and then there's the tribe. The law that we love, that we serve, that we honor, I kept it flawlessly, perfectly, right to the end. And my zeal, in regards to my zeal, my passion, my commitment to God and his ways, I persecuted anyone or anything who stood against God and his laws. But all of that, all of that pedigree, that resume, that impressive list that I could use to prop myself up, I call it rubbish. It doesn't hold water for me any longer. And so let me explain to you what I want, what I desire as a Jesus follower. I want to know Christ. And I don't want to just observe Christ. I don't want to just know about Christ, but I want to know because there's knowing and then there's knowing because you've experienced something. Something has has gone up on 3D. It's become reality to you. And then beyond that, I want to know the power of resurrection. All that leads up to resurrection all that, all the implications of how you get there through death, through loss, through rejection, through pain. I want to I walk the same path of Jesus because ultimately I want to experience resurrection, new life. I want things to burst up inside of me. And then all the implications of living in that reality, I want that to shape how I see the world, how I see people, how I relate to creation around me. And then he takes it even deeper and he says, I want to share in his sufferings. And not just share, but I want to participate in them. So much so that when I actually do experience the sufferings of Jesus or participate in that, I don't say no to that, but I'm reminded of the desire that I express to Jesus that this is what I want. I want to share in this with you. That's like a big yes to life, even the hard parts, welcoming all of it in. And then this week, as I was thinking about these words, I I came across a statement from an English missionary named Helen Rosevere, who was a missionary to the Congo. And she uttered a prayer, and I've written this prayer down, and I want to begin to incorporate this prayer into my life, into my daily rhythm. And I want you to hear the words of this prayer. Okay, God, today I mean it. Go ahead 
and make me more like Jesus, whatever the cost. But please, knowing myself fairly well, please, when I feel I can't stop anymore and cry out, stop, will you ignore my stop? And remember that today I said, go ahead. There's like brutal honesty in that prayer. Here's Helen facing herself, facing what we might call her shadow self. You know, that, that part of you, that what is called the false self or the ego, the part of you that always needs to be propped up, that part of you that needs to be in control, that needs to be right. Even facing that part of me that, that has a tendency to rise up, because I, I want things to go a certain way and I want to be acknowledged or I want to be seen. So much so that she says, even when life, and I know myself well enough that even though when, when I, I have had too much and I say, stop, I want you to ignore that and, and to remember that I said, go ahead, make me more like Jesus, whatever the cost. And then she begins to address the shadow self like Paul is doing, he's addressing all of this stuff that could prop him up, that would give him credibility. And she begins to acknowledge, she's, she's brutally honest with herself, with her shadow self. And she says, Helen, you no longer want Jesus only. You want Jesus plus. Jesus plus respect, Jesus plus popularity, public opinion, success, and pride. You want to go out with all the trumpets blaring from a farewell do that you organize for yourself with photographs and tape recordings to show and play at home just to reveal what you had achieved. You wanted and needed to feel respected. You want the other missionaries to be worried about how they'll ever carry on after you're gone. You'd like letters when you go home to tell how much they realize they owe to you, how much they miss you, all of this and more. Jesus plus. But no, you can't have it. Either it must be Jesus only, or you'll find you have no Jesus, and you will substitute Helen Rosevere every time. Even my commitment to Christ, even, even that, that need for even my commitment to Christ to be acknowledged, to be seen, to be revered, to be respected, even that can play into the shadow self that need to be propped up because there is a deep pull in all of us for the Jesus plus. And that Jesus plus tends to show up in all kinds of subtle ways, hidden ways. It's, it's what we call the thing under the thing, getting down to the motivations of the heart, how we prop ourselves up sometimes without even knowing it because that shadow self and the pull to live into that shadow self is strong. I go back to Richard's words where we began, where he says, I want to be caught up in Christ. Not just know, but I want to be caught up. I want to be enamored by his beauty. I want to be enamored by the beauty of his good creation and not just observe his beauty from afar, recognize it, acknowledge it, but to be captivated by it and caught up in it in such a way that anything that seeks to deface the beauty and goodness of God in the world, I'm going to move against that and address it. It's that Jesus-only posture, knowing that all kinds of things are pulling at our posture, pulling at us to prop ourselves up, because I know how quickly enamored I can become 
by all the other things in life that are trying to bring my attention away from the beauty of Jesus and his good creation? Do we have the courage to acknowledge in ourselves that there's all of these I want to haves that quickly become I got to haves? And so when the I want to haves, which are good things, move to I got to haves, they become forms of idolatry inside of us. And, and many times these I got to haves are not evil things, they're good things. And that's where the subtleness lies. It's in these, these good things become the absolute best things that turn into the I got to have things that capture our imagination and our attention. And we go back to Paul and he says, listen, I want to know Christ. All the other stuff that I've achieved, perfection, my pedigree, my, my manuscripts, all of that, I consider that rubbish. What I want, what's left standing is I want to know Christ. I want to know resurrection. Even if it means losing everything, I want to know resurrection because I've, I've already lost everything. And then even to the point of participating in the sufferings of Jesus. I want to share in his suffering so much that it's going to require lifestyle changes on my part to where I might actually have to take this, the teachings of Jesus seriously, not just observe them, not just study them or memorize them, but live into them to where the teachings of Jesus or things like the Sermon on the Mount actually begins to reflect out of how I live and conduct myself in the world, how I posture myself. And then saying yes to all of that, even the hard parts, especially the hard parts, because those are the parts that shape and form us that call us to participate in the sufferings of Jesus. And when we have the courage to utter these words or to utter this prayer from the depths of our soul, do we have the courage to say, what would happen if God actually answered those desires? What would happen if God actually answered the deepest prayers of my heart? What if he said yes to those desires? I want to know you, not just about you. I want to know you. To the point where I don't just know through observation, I know through experience. And I want to know resurrection and all that comes with resurrection. And not just the, the beauty of coming back to life, but also the parts where I'm dying and parts of me, the shadow self inside of me, is moving further and further away from full integration into the depths of the center of my soul. I want all of it to be fully integrated in me. Now I think back to just over a year ago, when I said yes to this role of being the transitional pastor, I think I, I received a very clear word from the Spirit as I was doing my absolute best to discern what I was actually being invited into. Was I going to say yes to this invitation? Because my, my shadow self said, I didn't really, this is not what I signed up for. This isn't, this isn't why I came here to do this, but if I say yes to this, I believe that the Spirit uttered some words to me, personal words. There was a there was a kind of measuring, a weighing of the cost, knowing that what would come with the responsibility of taking on this role. Here's what comes with it. Do you want it? Do you want to move deeper into that into that yes? And I said yes. And I got to tell you that. What the Spirit uttered to my soul has come true over and over and over again. Even this week, it came true again and again and again. And that, my friends, has kept me centered. It has, it has kept me from being an overreactionary presence. It has 
kept me situated in the bigger story of God and not to overreact, not to jump off the boat because it's getting too bumpy or I don't like the ride or I say, I've had enough. I don't want to do this anymore. I said yes to all of it, even the hard parts, because I know I want to know Christ and not just observe Christ. I want to know Christ and not just about and not just making a, some verbal assent, like, yeah, I'll do that. But when it, when it actually happens and I'm being invited to step into further out of the shadow self and into the true self, into who Christ is forming in me, do I really want to step into that fully? And do I have the courage to say, okay, today I mean it. Go ahead and make me more like Jesus, whatever the cost. And when I do, when I do cry out, stop, I've had enough. Remember what I said today, go ahead. Keep, keep going. Keep inviting me into the hard parts. And there is something so foundational about coming back to this prayer of, I want to know Christ. I want to be enamored by his beauty. I, I want to say yes to all of it. I want to know Jesus and not just about, but I want to know, experience, be connected, enamored, captivated, caught up in all of it to the point where resurrection begins to spin and permeate in my life. And that I also get to participate in the sufferings of Jesus. To have the courage to take his teachings seriously. To have the courage to experience deep communion with Christ no matter what the cost. Because I know that if I'm not caught up and captivated in Christ, I'm going to get caught up and captivated by all kinds of other things, even good things that will take my attention and my imagination away from the center of Jesus to the point where people's opinion of me begins to drive and form and shape how I do life, how I communicate, how I come across, or people's assessments of me begin to shape and form how I posture myself in the world. And I'm reminded, I didn't say yes to an easy path when I said yes to Jesus. I didn't say yes to comfort and security as the final outcome of my life. I said yes to the resurrected Jesus, to the suffering Jesus. I didn't say yes to the Jesus plus equation. I said yes to the Jesus only equation. It's not Jesus plus respect, popularity, public opinion, success, and pride, but it's saying yes to all of the parts of Christ, saying, yes, Jesus, I want you to come into the shadow self, and I want to be brutally honest with myself and to be able to admit without shame, without guilt, that these things are operating down in the center of my soul and to admit to myself and to you that someday when I leave Hillside, I want to go out with all the trumpets blaring. I want everyone to know all the things that I have achieved while I've taken on this role. I want to hear the words uttered. What would we have ever done without you? Because that feels really good to my ego. My shadow self loves that stuff. Paul says it's rubbish. It's Jesus only, but it can't be Jesus plus. So what's it going to be? These are the prayers and the realities that I have to pound down into my soul every day. Because if not, then I will be easily distracted and captivated by other things. I'm reminded of the words uttered by Paul in another letter in the book of Galatians chapter 6. And towards the end of this letter, 
He says in verse 11, see what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. It's like Paul's been giving words through oratory. He's been giving words to someone else to write. And he says, here, give me the pen. I want to write the rest of this letter because this is really important. He's just about to land the plane. And he says, okay, now, if you haven't heard anything else, I want you to hear this because this is so very important and will require your undivided attention. And listen to what he says in verse 14. May I never boast. May I never prop up. May I never uh, lean into my pedigree, my, my resume, all the things that make me a great follower of God's law. But may I never boast in any of that except for in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, all the things that would make me clean in God's eyes, they don't mean anything. What counts is new creation. That's what he says. May I become so enamored with new creation, so caught up in what you're doing in the world that anything that would seek to deface or defile your goodness in the world, I would move and speak and act against those very things. It's like, what is going on in Galatians 6? This Jesus-only posture, again, that we see right here in this letter. And then I jumped over to John, the, the Gospel of John, chapter 21. And it says in chapter 21, verse 25, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. And I remember reading that years ago thinking, wait a minute, you, okay, Jesus did and said many other things that if we were to account and, and write all the things that he did and said, it's like the whole world wouldn't be able to contain the amount of information that we could have accessible to us today. And this is what you give us, John, you give us 21 chapters and basically, the last half of John's gospel is all about the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's like from chapter 11 on, he just keeps giving hints of, here's what's coming. It's all about my death and resurrection, and I'm on my way to suffer many things. But there was so much more, and I thought, well, wouldn't it be helpful for us to have so much more? Where's that information? More things for us to know how to live in the way of Jesus in the world. And it's like, Jesus, it's like the Spirit and John is saying, this is all you need. You have enough. This is all that matters. So much so that Paul himself says, see what large letters I'm using right now. Even as I'm penning these words with my own hand, because it's so important, I want you to pay attention. It's the Jesus-only posture. Because he knows the tendency of the human heart. It's the Jesus-plus posture that pulls us away from Christ that pulls us away from these prayers that captures our imagination and our attention. It's the Jesus plusness in life. And, and do you have the courage to say, where is the Jesus plusness operating inside of my own soul? And I want you to, I want you to take a moment and I want you to engage and I want you to ask yourself these questions. And then I want us to sit with it for a few moments, to sit with these questions. And the first question is this, what am I boasting in? And do I have the honesty to be brutally honest with myself, to say, here's where I'm boasting in me. Here, here's where I'm feeding that shadow self. And what am I boasting about? And then asking the question, what's underneath all of that? What's underneath that 
posture of the Jesus plusness. And where is the Jesus plusness operating in my life? What are the good things that I've identified that I, they've moved from I want to haves to I gotta haves or else I die? These are the things I've gotta have or I will never have happiness, I will never have joy, I, I will never be able to fully experience life unless I have these things. So what are the unless I haves in life? And do you have the courage to say this prayer with me today? I invite you to say this prayer. Okay, God, today I mean it. So just repeat after me. Okay, God, today I mean it. Go ahead and make me more like Jesus. Whatever the cost. But please... Knowing myself fairly well, when I feel I can't stand anymore and cry out, stop, will you ignore my stop and remember that today I said, go ahead. Now, as we move out of this, I want to invite you into a simple breathing practice with me. And I would invite you to incorporate this into your daily rhythm as you step further and further into the Jesus onlyness, away from the Jesus plusness. And it's the inhale, exhale prayer, because every day we breathe in and we breathe out. So as you breathe in, I just want you to say these words. Not my will. And then as you exhale, let your will be done. Let's do that together. Not my will. But your will be done. And let's take a few moments to do that quietly together. I'm not going to say the words, but I want you to say them inside of your own soul. Let's practice. In this moment, 
lean into the heart prayer of knowing Christ, knowing resurrection, participating in suffering, moving further and further away from the Jesus plusness and deeper and deeper into the Jesus onlyness. We mean it. Do whatever it takes to make us more like Jesus, whatever the cost. We surrender. Thank you. Grace and peace be with you, my friends. Letting go of every single dream Lay each one down at your feet Every moment of my wandering Never changes what you see I've tried to win this war, I confess
I offer these words of benediction to you and invite you to open up your hands to receive it. It's just an open posture. Here it comes. Now may the Lord God bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you, his beauty, so much so that you will find yourself being caught up and enamored by all of his goodness this week. And as you go and walk in the way of Jesus, and as you go and seek to be light in the world, to be a people led by the Spirit, deeply saturated in the Word, seeking to grow in community, honoring God through service, and ultimately through the power of the Holy Spirit, transforming the world around us, so much so that anything that would seek to defile or deface it, we would move against it and say, no, we're all in. We want the jesus onlyness to completely capture our imaginations. So go with his grace and with his peace and know that you are loved. Thank you.